0: From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi, and Rutgers Insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lanny. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the rant. It is just Politi and Fonseca this week. Uh, Big news in the NJM family Uh, Pat Lanny is a new dad little Juliet Lanny. Congratulations to Pat and Candace. Uh, Greg Shiano giving them a shout out at his press conference this week. Have you, have you talked to the new dad uh, Fonseca about, about this?
1: We know that uh, the family's doing well. Mother and baby are doing well. I'm sure Pat is over the moon and uh, he's fired up to get back on the podcast, but we had to make sure to tell him yeah. to take some time off.
0: We'll see how he feels after uh, seven days of no sleeping. And those first seven days are great because you just convinced that you're going to do something to kill your baby. And it's really uh, a lot of fun when you've, when you're standing there over the crib, is she breathing? Is she breathing? Don't worry, Pat, you'll get through it. They all yeah. do. Uh, so we're happy for them. So congratulations guys. He'll be back soon. All right, let's talk some football. We got a 27 to 10, 10 was it 27 to 10. What was the score?
1: Yeah. 27, 27 10. to 10. It felt like 54 to three. If you really <laughs>
0: thought about it, Lost to Iowa, bright lights, big moment, prime time, I'm not going to say full, full house, but a great crowd, a really great crowd in it. Student section filled, light show, fireworks run out and then sad trombone. Uh, certainly it was not a great performance. I did think it was interesting today in this and this uh, we had the press conference with Rick channel today. Um and I had asked him a question about quarterbacks that was basically unrelated to what he answered. And I think it was, it was just to, the, he wanted to make a point and uh, you know, his point, essentially, and I'll read some of the answers he, he admitted. He's, and he said, I think we just got to look at it. And I had to stop for a minute after Saturday night because it was maddening. And I had to just take a step back and say, wait a minute. And his point is that we're, they're playing a first year quarterback, only scholarship quarterback, key injuries around the, around the team. I think his point, fun second, tell me if I'm wrong. If you've got the same vibe is he's trying to manage uh, expectations, trying to reset the narrative a bit that perhaps at three, and the team was over playing over its skill level and that this shouldn't have been that big a surprise. Is that the same sense you got from what he said?
1: Yeah, certainly. I, I think it's, I think it's a fair point. I think a few people have asked us this in the insider questions we'll address later, but uh, the three, you know, they're victims of their own success similar to the way that they overachieved in 2020 and got people really excited about the trajectory of the program, a three and start that the record looked a lot better than the way they performed. They really got by through the skin of their teeth against the uh, against temple. They barely beat a Boston college team that we're seeing is really not as good as we expected in the preseason. They've been right. really, really bad. Um, so yeah, if I think if you told people in the preseason that Rutgers would be three and one after four games, they would, again, they would stand on that dotted line, but I think maybe the three, the three wins in a row leading up to the game, the big crowd, the high expectations, I would look like a beatable team. Right. I That's think all the, that led yeah. into uh, expectations being too high. And then when they lose a game that, you know, I think most people expected them to lose uh, people are getting a bit too riled up about it. So he's reeling it back. And, um, and yeah. yeah, it's all about about managing expectations at this point, for sure.
0: I guess I just thought that the counterpoint to that is it two things. One yeah, it really was a great crowd, great opportunity, and to come out and just hand them fourteen points just took so much of the enthusiasm out of the building. Sent the crowd home early. You knew they were going to be overcome that, overcome that, and the way they played uh, so poorly. You almost ask yourself, well, where were they practicing? You kind of had that feeling when you're watching it. And the second point is that we're we're not. I think we're talking about an Iowa team that's that's barreling towards seven and five here. We're not. We're not talking about. We're not judging them against Ohio State or Michigan when Michigan's great, you know, it, it just kind of was one of these games that seemed very winnable, a, a very flawed opponent, opponent, a lot like them. And yeah. And they come out and and just, just the performance wasn't sharp, certainly on offense. Uh, it just, dis- it just disappointing. And I think that, I think a lot of people felt that way leaving the building.
1: Sure. And, and I can, I can understand that. Um, I, I do think you're, again, it's still underrating Iowa a bit. They're, Probably going to finish second in the Big Ten West, and that defense is is really really good. And as we saw against Temple, Rutgers' offense is not very good at all. Um, so, I, but yes, it, I, I wrote this in the film review: Rutgers and Iowa are essentially the same team. Iowa just did everything better. They took care of the ball. They first they forced turnovers, right. and and, um, and Rutgers couldn't do the same. To if they had gotten a special teams touchdown or a defensive interception or something uh, to turn things around, um, th- but they couldn't. And I mean fans left in droves at halftime. The score was a 17-3, I think, a two-score game that, you know, you'd think fans would stick around for, but just the way the game was going, it seemed insurmountable. Turns out was, yeah. Uh, all right, so, you know, it,
0: this was an entire game of Evan Simon, and you, you had every one of uh, every one of his throws uh, available for people to watch if they read the excellent film review. And you made some great points about it and the fact that, that he certainly took a lot of hits. Uh, he's a resilient kid. He didn't... That didn't to shake him. He came back after throwing the pick sick and after throwing another interception, uh, it was be- better at the end of the game, which I think is a good sign three yards against a good defense. I mean, I, you know, there have been a lot of days when Rutgers uh, was bad offensively early in the game and it stayed bad <laughs> offensively throughout the entire game. And we've seen some, you know, obviously single, double digit uh, yard performances from this team overall, when you were watching him again, what did you think of his performance?
1: I really was struck with how many times he got hit. Uh, he yeah. talked to us after the game, obviously, and he looked, he looked fine. And what uh, one reporter asked him, you got hit pretty bad on that interception you threw. Right. And he just said, yeah. And I'm, I'm rewatching <laughs> the game. I'm like, yeah, he got hit pretty bad a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so it, one, yes, he's tough. Shannon called him a tough son of a gun. I think it's a fair way to put it. People point out that, he, yes, he got hit on 46% of his dropbacks. There were other 54%. He didn't get hit and he missed some, some easy throws, which, Fair. Uh, Accuracy has been an issue for him uh, in in his extended looks. But when you're getting pressured on half the times you drop back, even when you don't have pressure in your face, the feeling of this could come at any moment has to be in the back of his mind. Right. Uh, And and I will say though, he probably should have let the ball go a little earlier on a few occasions. Uh, But yeah, I really do think that the offensive line had its worst game that played a part of it. It's good for him to get the reps in. It's good for him to have an uninterrupted game he had to play through it. He had to, as you said, play better throughout the game. And it's not like Iowa was playing their second, third string defense towards the end. I, the touchdown he threw to Aaron Crookshank was on Riley Moss. Who was, was it,
0: right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. It's the
1: first team, all Big Ten caliber quarterback who made a great play in the first quarter when he threw a fade route to Aaron Cruikshank. So um, he's learning as he, go, as he went, which is a good sign for Rutgers. It's good that he's improving. Uh, obviously, though, still a lot of areas that he can grow. And again, like you said, it's his first year playing. It's to be expected.
0: Right. And, and someone made a good point about that touchdown throw that that's, that's, that is a sign that he's learning from his mistakes. You know, in the temple game, there was a play to Krushank where he, he missed the field by seven yards when he was throwing uh, in the end zone. This time he let his, he let his receiver make a play. Uh, and that's a good sign. It's a sign. He's learning a little bit. This is what you, well, you want to see things like that. Um, it's not a good sign though, that the offensive line again, had a, and I, I knew you said this was their worst game overall. I mean, I so this was hard for it to be worse than Temple, but I'll take your word for it. You went back and watched it closely. Still, that's two in a row that
1: haven't been great. And, and I don't know that there's a solution there. No, there isn't. Um, I, I think any of the guys that are behind them are probably a bit too young, a bit too green to come in and replace them. Um, I, I think they're just going to have to gel. And look, it's their fourth game together. And and four, six of these guys weren't on the roster last year. So it you know it takes time. I don't know. If the ceiling is much higher, to be frank with you, I think some of these guys are really struggling, and uh, I, I don't really see it. I, I would say it's probably better. At, at, it's, it is better than last season. It's not as, as much improvement as people may ha- maybe had hoped. I think that will come along as the season goes along, but it was it, it's very difficult to win any game when you don't get a push. That they really didn't get much of a push in the run game, and they you don't protect the quarterback. It, it was it, it's really that simple
0: right on the other side of the ball obviously the defense again i mean you can't you can't fault them for this one uh only one touchdown drive against an offense again of course not a great offense we understand that uh iowa didn't they score a touchdown and a win against south dakota state uh struggled against iowa state so this again this is not a great offense but still um defense was good and and you know i mean i love i love the aggressiveness you know, there are a couple of plays, that, you know, he when, when you can see him again, another cornerback quarter, blitz stalls a drive for when Iowa had gotten some things going. they seemed like that they were figuring out the running game They're getting six, seven yards a run. You know, uh, Rutgers sends, send, I think it was Izian, sends Christian Izian to get a big sack on, on, a, on a play. Uh, just things like that. You're just seeing a lot of things that are encouraging from the defensive end.
1: I think the defensive end is indisputably ahead of the offensive side of the ball. I think it's more than fair to say. A lot of good signs from them. The, the The touchdown drive was, there were some shaky moments. There was, I had a screenshot in the film review. There was a, a, a max truck size hole for the running backs to run through that. There was a few of them on that drive, um, which is not great. Rutgers had been good against the run against three, the first three teams it faced. This was probably the biggest, the, the best run game it faced and, and it struggled for for periods. But, Overall, yeah, I agree with you. The defense was good. I thought they adjusted well without uh, starting uh, safety Desmond McMinnocin. Izzian shifted back to his position at at free safety where Desmond played, Shaquan Loyal filled in, um, and I thought they really did not lose much of a step there. Uh, Izzian was really good. If there's one real positive, real good thing to take away from this is that the defense is legit. I think it's fair to say that that, that's where Rutgers is going to bank itself on for the rest of the season. Uh, But just beyond this year, there's a lot of young guys on that side of the ball. So you figure that they'll continue to develop and it'll be a strength for, for a few years to come.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the most pro- If you're looking for promising things to come out of this, it, it does. Well, again, Ohio States next week, let's just assume that's going to be a different, different beast all entirely. But you know, you can look at that defense and see the pieces and a lot of them are young and they're performing really well. So that is uh, that is a good thing. All right, let's dive into true or false. It's just me and you. So, you know, you're, you're going to have to get these right since there's no there's no tiebreaker here. So it's a big test for you. Sure. You ready?
1: I I was born ready.
0: Okay, good. All right, here we go. True or false? Uh, Noah Vedrill, if healthy, will start this week against Ohio State. True or false? False. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go false, too. Next one, true or false? Noah Vedrill, if healthy, should start this week against Ohio State false uh yeah i hate to say well I, uh, yeah i think it's false as well uh we'll come back and talk to that about in a minute uh true or false adam korsak won the punting competition over iowa's tory taylor the much valued punting competition in that game true or false
1: i'll say true i guess i i, I was i was sick of the punting discussion by the third <laughs> quarter I'm, i mean i think even the punters were like all right man let, let's give it a break this is enough
0: <laughs> It was, you were sick of it by the third quarter because that's all I was talking about. So I'm sure. All right. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's the draw. So I'm going to say false. He didn't, he didn't clearly want it. Uh, true or false. New team MVP is Christian izian True or false. For Iowa, I would say true. He was definitely the most valuable player. I had 16 tackles. I saw tackle mm-hmm. for loss, switch positions. They didn't lose a beat. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is an important player for that team. No question. All right. Uh, true or false. Politi was right. More Sam Brown. <laughs> very true every now and then guys every now and then i get one right yeah uh i agree with my i agree with myself oddly fun i'm sure you didn't see that coming uh stunning the, stunning right yeah no he was good he looks good he keeps on looking good and they uh, they're giving him more looks too so it's, it's, i think that's trending in the right direction it's uh, two uh, weeks in a row he's had the longest run of any record running back there you go all right uh true or false michigan state
1: is now a winnable game we very true line. and for the record you're talking to the guy who had them lowest of any I don't know if of any, but most people on the AP poll when well, they had him at number 11, I had him at number 20 something wow. and uh, I am vindicated.
0: Wow. All right. I'm going to say, I'm not quite ready to move that into the, win- the winnable category yet, but it's trending in that direction. So for right now I'll say false because that's a tough place to play. Uh, all right. Uh, two more true or false. Ohio state's dominance is bad for the big 10 true or false. They beat Wisconsin
1: by 30. I'll say true in the sense of like fan interest and competitive balance, but I will say false in the big Ten's only hope of winning a national championship for the people that care about that. It is false.
0: Unfortunately, they do need that side of it. And with only four teams in the playoffs, still, you got to have one of them. All right. (laughs) Finally, (laughs) finally, true or false. I forgot. I put this one on here. Uh, NASA shouldn't be trying to blow up asteroids that aren't careening toward the earth. That's what they're doing today. They're trying to move an asteroid that's not coming to the planet. Should we be wasting money on this? True or false? How do you feel about this?
1: I say true. I say leave it for emergencies only. No, that's definitely,
0: like, come on. Absolutely false. We should be trying to move asteroids just because to prove we can. And this is a good, this is a good trip. I put this in there because it's a good transition. Because we are heading to, we're heading to Columbus, Ohio. And I don't, know if, I don't know if, I think we talked about this on the podcast last winter, didn't we?
1: I honestly don't remember. remember? I,
0: I blanked all of this out of my memory
1: because of how embarrassing it is.
0: So this, if, if you've been to Columbus, you know the airport there is the John Glenn International Airport. And so we were driving back from Dayton after the, after the double overtime loss in Notre Dame. We're still probably on an hour and a half sleep, going to the airport. We're pulling in, and, and, and Fonseca looks up and, and dis, in a disgusted voice, looks up at the sign and says, who the hell is John Glenn anyway? And since then, we have been talking... We we, we at the point now where we are asking everyone that we see in hopes just to see, because I was just amazed that someone like someone who grew up in this country, went to school here, did not know who John Glenn was. And Fonseca was just adamant that this, no, no, this is not a piece of information that we should all know. So now we're at, we were asking people in the press box and I think it was what, eight to two Knew who John Glenn was? Is that what it, about? That was what it was.
1: I was stunned at how many people actually knew who John Glenn was. Um. And this so all
0: at one point, Jordan, one of the one of the sports information directors, comes over and we're having a we're having a conversation about this. And because we had spent so much time talking about John Glenn, Tom Canavan of the AP comes over and asks Jordan, "Well, do you know who you know John Glenn is, right?" And and walks away.
1: And Jordan's like, "Is is that a weird thing just to come out and ask somebody?" <laughs> yeah. I I just. It, it, Defend must be, yourself. Go ahead. it must be an age gap thing because a generation gap, because I, I walked into my apartment before we recorded this pod and I asked my roommate and uh, he's, he had the same exact response to me. Who the hell is John Glenn? I mean, I I'm, I'm going to pull everybody. I know I'm going to ask my Portuguese immigrant parents and I hope, I hope to God they don't know. Cause if they know who John Glenn is, then I really should be embarrassed.
0: All right. Now as a test, I promise I won't spend a lot of time on this, but on a test as a test, I'm going to ask you, until Laney's back, since we we don't have anything to talk about. I'm gonna ask you now three other famous Americans in history, the historical people in port, like the of the top hundred Americans that I think you should know who they are. And I wanna I want to see if it's just John Glenn or if perhaps you, you weren't paying attention to history. You are you ready to play this game? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Okay. All right. The first one: Alexander Graham Bell.
1: Yeah, it's the phone guy. He <laughs> Okay, all right. You're one, you're one for one. I'm pretty sure he like stole the phone idea from somebody else too, uh, right? My, my... I don't know if that's true. Okay. All right, we'll ride in with it. Okay. okay, all right.
0: So you're one for one. That's a good one. Number two, Norman Rockwell. That's the painting guy. All right, okay. You're, maybe I can't, maybe I'm coming up. These are too easy. I'm going to find one that's a, that's a little harder. Now I'm going to go with this one. All right, this is good. This is good. Number three, Frank Capra.
1: Okay, you stump me. I have no idea who this guy is.
0: <laughs> who, who the hell is Frank Tampera? What is this? I'm not gonna tell you. You'll look it up later. No, it's right, so a two two for three. Not bad. You made him up. You made him up. I <laughs> you think I made up, think I just came up with a name. I'm looking at a list of the hundred I Googled hundred okay. great Americans. Okay, I believe, I believe, I
1: believe. Okay, I'm just trying to I'm trying to cope here. This is uh okay, go ahead. He is one of
0: he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Oh Jesus! In the 19s and nineteen thirties and forties, it's a wonderful life. If you didn't know who, you didn't know <laughs> why, you didn't know who the star, you know, Jimmy Stewart was. I don't know why you would, would know who Frank Capra was. Well, so, that uh, was too hard. All right, next week I'll I'll try to come up with easy ones. Two or three is not bad. Though. All right, what else in the true or false do we need to talk about? The quarterbacks. So, what did G- what did Greg Shano say specifically about it? Do you, I mean, it, it was sort of non-committal. Again, he's going to see how practice goes, but it seemed like. It's open that they, they could be ready. They, they've certainly both warmed up, him and Gavin Williams that warmed up. So that's a good sign.
1: Yeah, they're. he said they're progressing, which, I mean, I guess we're all progressing every day, kind of like we're all week to week. It's all really the same thing. I would assume they're going to be – well, no more later in the week. I'm going to assume they're going to be game time decisions again. I think there is no use in uh, – and they, they are both, from what it appears to be, you know, legitimately injured, right? I, I think there's no use in throwing them out there in a game that, frankly – Everyone agrees. And Greg channel said they're going there to win. I think everyone agrees that it's very unlikely, really no, no use in endangering these two guys for, this, for, for that sake. I think you put out Evan Simon, let him play, you know, as much as he can get. And then if the game gets out of hand, you throw on one of the walk-ons and let him have an unforgettable moment where they're throwing a pass at the shoe. Um, I really don't see any other path.
0: And I guess the only thing I'll say, if, if Vedral is healthy, at least he has, he knows the level of competition. He knows, he knows what he's up against. Whereas, Simon is just seen what a Big Ten defense looks like for the first time. Uh, you know, you don't want to get the, you don't want to get him hurt where he's in that situation. I guess there's some concern on that level. So, but, but of course, if Vedro's not healthy, he won't play because Greg Schiano doesn't want him to risk any further injury to him. That's of course that's the case as well. It's a tough decision, really. There's no good answer here,
1: right? I would say if Novedral's 100 healthy, if he is totally completely healthy, I don't see an issue putting him out there. Well, I just can't imagine we're going to go from him not being healthy enough to play against Iowa to in a week being hundred percent, totally healthy.
0: Right. Especially when you want, obviously those two games coming up after Ohio state, Nebraska and Indiana, the season is kind of riding on that too. So I see that point as well. Um, the other point is, I mean, I, I don't know. Is, is there some hope that you no know, Evan Simon found something, right? Did he discover
1: something in that second half of that game? Is, is that possible? Yeah. It's always possible. I guess you find that out by, Putting him out there again and letting him play and getting more, you know, more opportunities, more run. You don't judge him uh, entirely based on how he does against Ohio State because, you know, that's obviously a curved grading scale. But yeah, you put him out there, see what he can do. And uh, again, as, as long as you're not risking his health, if, if this is going to be a repeat of 2018 when Art Sikowski almost got decapitated by Nick Bosa, at that point, you pull the plug, hand the ball off every snap, and just go home healthy. Um, right. But I do think, you know, at least in the beginning, you give him a chance to see if he can do something. You know who Buzz Aldrin is he's the guy that actually stepped on the moon for the first time right that <laughs> right. not, not, so it's like not that, just
0: an astronaut thing all right, not like fun.
1: that fraud John Glenn who just went into space <laughs> and went back home
0: uh, all right moving on uh, I think that's all we have to cover in the true or false is there anything else that we that we missed uh, uh, no true, true or false right. John Glenn is a fraud <laughs> right he, that's a false yeah oh uh, that's true for great me. American great American hero but that's okay. All right. Insider questions. Let's see what the folks had again. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for texting. We've, we've, after losses, we've become like a, uh, a therapist, put a nickel in the can and we've text back and forth quite a bit. Uh, so um, appreciate all your thoughts. And it was really divided down the middle. I thought and this was the fan base in general. And I kind of got the sense from my inbox, from the texts that a lot of people were like, okay, look, we knew this was coming. It's okay. And a lot of people were like, you know, that's come on, we got to be better than that. So it was, yeah, I, I felt like there was a, a lot of division as far what people thought of that game. Uh, this was a great question from Tom in Lawrenceville. Experience the Heldrich Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Uh, and he points out that Geo Baker had a really strong message for fans. He posted on Twitter about all of the negative news and that it's not a straight line upward for a program. Um, are fans just expecting too much too soon? Will it take closer to five years to really just turn this program around? Um, so if you don't uh, follow Geo Baker on Twitter, that you know that's that's basically the gist of it, right? I'm not I'm not misquoting him. Um, he was essentially
1: I- saying that at the start of their rebuild in his first couple of years fans were similarly, right. you know, disappointed. And and I, I can't remember if he acknowledged this in the tweet, but a lot of it is, is just baggage of decades of futility and bad football and no hope. And yeah. uh, that's just kind of, re, you know, you get a 3-0 start, people start getting excited, and then they wait for the shoe to drop, it drops, and they think, here we go again, another, right. you know, it's just the way the, the, cy- the cycle of cynicism
0: yeah Yeah, my point, and, and to Tom's question, and I totally understand what Gio is saying, but it's also... I mean, we saw it last year with the basketball team. Like, it's okay to be critical in the micro. Like, when they lost to Lafayette and everyone flipped out. Well, yeah, it was fair fair to be critical. It was a terrible loss. The coaching wasn't great. The team wasn't playing at a level we expected. That's all. It's okay to have that opinion and still think that Steve Peichel is the right guy, that Geo Baker is a great player, that they're going to figure it out, that the program's on much better ground than it was before. And that's how I feel about this loss. I Certainly, when you criticize that performance, you're not saying – Greg Shadow's not the guy. I mean, no one's saying that or that the program's not heading in the right direction, but you can still like look at that team and just expect a little bit more from, from again, against not, not the world's greatest big 10 team. I don't know that's, that's how I felt about it overall. I mean, what do you
1: think? I agree. It's not, it's not the end of the world to lose to Iowa. The season isn't over the, 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 the what, one thing Greg show said Monday was that this means there's expectations, which is good because this means that people are invested and believe in the trajectory of the program. Um, So that's, that's a way to take it as a positive. Uh, And just
0: another question, very similar to that one, but a little different. Are are we being too hard on the offense and coaching given the three and one record, despite the top two quarterback injuries and the state of the rebuild and none of none of you or us fans had them picked at the start of the season before. No. So shouldn't the grades be based on upcoming games after Ohio state first. And that's Nebraska and Indiana. Another great point, I guess, there are degrees to that too, as well. Like I, I didn't expect the offense to be great. I didn't expect 59 passing yards against Temple, right? You know, I didn't expect giving 14 points to to Iowa. I guess you know, again, you just and I thought the uh, to the point the coaching of the offense. I thought that was much better. I thought Sean Gleason had a great plan against Iowa, um, and you watched it again. You kind of came to the same conclusion, right?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought Gleason was was fine at worst. He was pretty good, I think. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, a great strong, too strong, obviously lost the game, but you know, but it was a good plan. Yeah, It was much better than it was against Temple for sure. Right. And I do think, I think it's a fair point to bring up the preseason expectations. I think I, I expected them to win four games, um, but those things also change as the season goes on. Right. I, I think people expected Boston college, as I said earlier, to be a lot better than they are and they're an yep. absolute dumpster fire. So that one maybe, you know, it's, it doesn't weigh as heavily as strongly for Rutgers as it did before. And I think it's fair to be critical of the offense when they throw for 59 passing yards against Temple. Like it's, it's totally fine to criticize team when they play badly.
0: And I think it's funny. I think back to uh, Greg Shannon's first year where we talked about this in the podcast and I was like, holy cow, they're, they're scoring points. They're moving the ball. They look at like a competent football team. And when they lost, they could lose by 21 points to Indiana or something. I was still like very enthusiastic because it was just, it looked so much better. And the opposite, the only thing that happened was like the team hated that narrative. They didn't want to be handed participation trophies and it was cratcher brought it up. We talked about it a lot in the podcast. It was like, look, they want to be held to a higher standard. Why shouldn't we grant them that? Why are we, why are we holding them to, you know, like holding their hand and, and applauding when they, when they, when they lose games, they think they should be winning. It's, it, is a, it is the other side of the coin is that this, is this that then you can't turn around and say, well oh, gosh, I mean, look, we're in three year three football playing Iowa. Well, all right. You raise those expectations and we're judging you on them, right? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. totally agree. Right. Question from Joe at the shore. Hey, guys, what were your thoughts in the crowd? The student section was loud and showed up, however, for a quote unquote sellout. And he put it in quotes. Uh, there were plenty of empty seats and there wasn't much energy even before the game got out of hand. Call me a Debbie Downer, but I was expecting more. Joe at the shore coming, coming with the heat. Um, how did you feel about the
1: crowd? I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought the student section was good up until halftime. And then they left from a combination of, you know, the score, the, the time of the game, they wanted to go out and get, uh, have fun, some have some fun elsewhere, but I thought they did, you know, as good as expected. Yeah. The, the upper decks were pretty empty. I think it's a fair criticism. This was a sellout, a name only. There's probably, you know, 49,000 people there, which is still good. It's just, you know, not a quote-unquote true sellout. I agree with Joe from the shore there. Did um, fans buy those tickets and not sit up there, though? Is that part of it, too?
0: What You know, you can just stand in other places. And, I don't know. Um, it's tough to tell. I, that, that I don't know. I was going to – this is funny. and I was going to criticize. It got to be 24-10, and I was like, well, you know what? If they score, somehow Rutgers gets the ball back and scores again, and it's a one-touchdown game. I mean, the crowd of leaving the stadium early is just a joke. It's a disaster if that happens. It didn't happen, obviously. And I come to find out later, and this is interesting, I don't, you know, just how difficult it is to get out of the stadium. I don't know if you heard the same buzz that I did. Like people, I guess it was just a, a hot mess leaving leaving Piscataway after the game. We don't experience that. We stayed to the very end. The crowd's gone to the point where we leave. I mean, that's, I wonder if people have experienced that so many times that they're just, they just feel like they got to get to their
1: car. Or they're going to be there until,
0: you know, midnight.
1: I don't know. It's probably fair. I, I don't, I don't know if, Again, when we go to these events, we leave way after everyone else. So there's never any traffic to get out. I don't know if you know a huge crowd to leave the parking lots is a regular thing at most places. I, I really have no perspective there. I do know I went to a Taylor Swift concert like 12 years ago with my sister, and it took us two hours to get out of MetLife Stadium. Yeah. Uh, that's my only perspective on this. How um, was the show? It was good from what I remember. Um, Are you yeah. just
0: bringing up Taylor Swift? Because I admitted that I, I I can't tell her apart from Katy
1: Perry. Is that I, did, I did not, but I would did love to okay. know what people think about that. If it's more egregious for me to not know who John Glenn is (laughs) or to confuse Katy Perry and Taylor Swift who look absolutely nothing alike.
0: Well, they're both, you know, young people who sing music. I don't listen to what can I mean? Like you hold that against me. They didn't, they didn't, you know, circle the planet in 1961. So perhaps we should keep that in mind. All right. You
1: know what they all have in common? None of them
0: went to the moon. Oh boy. Here we go. All right. For the uh, more questions. Uh, has Rutgers made, this is Andy Andy from Glassboro, who always has good questions. Has Rutgers made a mistake by putting too many of their quarterback hopes on Wimsett without adequately planning for a period when he isn't ready for primetime or he's hurt? Can we, really not continue, can we really not continue to recruit high-level quarterbacks based on the fear that your starter will transfer? That seems to be happening at Rutgers, even though with our past mediocre quarterbacks. It's a fascinating dilemma. And I don't know that they're right now they're going to get through the season and be, can they be certain, get through the season and be certain that he's the guy, or for that matter that Evan Simon's the guy, I don't know. And that's why I even asked Greg Shannon the question today about that. Just, all right, are you going to, is he going to have to go back into the transfer portal to find an experienced quarterback in the off season? Of course, he's not going to answer that at this stage of the, uh, you know, the season because so much can happen, but it is, I mean, it is a very interesting question. If they have pinned these hopes, that Wimsatt's the guy, if he turns out not to be the guy, you've lost a couple
1: recruiting cycles. I, there's two There's two parts to this. Uh, in the leading up to the season, their entire plan pretty much got blown up with Noah getting hurt. I, I don't know exactly what their plan was. I don't know if Greg Chanel will ever really reveal that, but it seemed like based on the preseason talk of playing multiple quarterbacks that, that they would play Noah Vedro for the most part and ease in the younger guys, get them experience. That obviously blew up with Noah Vedrill. They got a lot more on their plate. Um, and then Gavin is hurt now, and it's hard to really develop when you're not playing. So those injuries really blow up those plans. As far as putting all your eggs in one basket, I don't envy coaches in this era of everyone transferring all the time because it's hard to plan for the future. I do think that putting all your eggs in one basket, if you can get a quarterback with the potential that Gavin Williams has, or that they believed that he had, you, you don't want the guy to transfer before he reaches his potential at Rutgers. So if it means putting all your eggs in that basket, I don't have a problem with that decision I don't think it's fair to judge it, you know, the results of it rather than the process. I think the, th- the thinking process is fine. Now, will it work? It's way too early to tell. Um, and I, we haven't seen enough Gavin, of Gavin Williamson to know if he has right. potential, can live up to it. Uh, I don't know. Right. And
0: I think, I and I, <laughs> someone told me I was wrong today, but I think the plan was Noah Vedra was going to be the starter and they were going to work in the young quarterbacks and they couldn't do it. I mean, they, their plan certainly wasn't Evan Simon's going to throw Forty-nine passes against Iowa. I know that wasn't the plan. So that's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a tough situation they're in. Certainly. Uh, All right. We got a bunch of questions on the offensive line. Um, You know, how is the offensive line still so bad in year three with all the quote unquote upgrade transfers? Um, Do we have younger offensive linemen in the pipeline where we can see this getting better in a year or two? It doesn't look like the portal fixed the problem. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just to more alone' say, is there a reason to be optimistic about the development of the OLAM personnel that were in the high school last year? So it's a bunch of questions. Obviously the first one we haven't seen the high school players and that's a, that's a good thing that we haven't seen. He went out and recruited eight high school. Offensive linemen, they are still teenagers. They can't be playing in the Big Ten against Iowa. We, so that is good. They're redshirting. They're developing, they're, this is a development program, developmental program. So that's a good sign. I don't know about the, the rest of the questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I, can you fix the problem
1: in the portal? They haven't fixed it. So they, they didn't fix it right away. I think right. you, you know, give it another four or five games to see if it gets any better. I think it's probably a bit too early to, you know, call it an absolute failure. I, I think another thing is uh, at least two of those guys. J.D. Drenzo, this is his last year, I believe. But at least two of them, uh, Chafani and Dunlap, I believe. Chafani definitely has multiple years. I believe Billy Tyler has multiple years. Mm-hmm. So maybe they you know, get another year together, playing together, develop. Uh, Ireland Brown and, and uh, Holland Pierce definitely have multiple years. So maybe this is a matter of this was always going to be the year before the year. I think we said that before the season. So is, if, if, can you see them develop throughout the year so that next year in 2023, which is quote-unquote the year, can they become a solid offensive line? And then you supplant them with, you know, these young guys that, for example, Tyler Needham, maybe he develops into a guy who could play left tackle in place of Willie Tyler or, uh, you know, I don't know, a Kamar, Missouri, a guy who played behind Willie Tyler this season. Like right. can those guys develop and fill in the spots that one of their guys graduate? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand the skepticism of the offensive line. They certainly don't look good. I think uh, give it a little bit more sample size before completely writing them off.
0: Yeah. And, and to the point that, you know, that, that, they have to create competition at that position, which they haven't had. So when you bring in four new guys and they all end up, all four of them end up in the top six, that tells you something. That certainly tells you that what was the, what was in the program uh, beforehand. And, you know, yeah, he's got, he's got to, he's got to get to a point where he can bring a bunch of guys in there and, and establish it. So, um, you know, I don't think we've gotten far enough to be able to judge whether or not that process is working. Uh, all right. A couple more um how about more reps with Johnny Langen as a Wildcat quarterback? Brandon in Brinsburg wants to know. Could be an upgrade if Simon is the only option. We talked about that a lot last week podcast. How many reps did Johnny Langan get at, at uh, in Wildcat last week? Not too know? many. I think many, three yeah. or
1: four, and, and half of them he handed the ball off. So not, not, yeah. not as many as we
0: expected. Right. Yeah, the problem is he's also their best. Tight end. So well, he dropped a couple of passes, but still, he's obviously a big part of the offense in, in, in the passing
1: game too. Yeah, um, he could be. He probably he, the fact he is their best tight end is not a great sign. Like you said, he dropped three passes. He wasn't really uh, that great in the passing game. And then you look at Iowa, which has two, you know, all American right. level tight ends. So the the gap there is pretty evident.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people ask where the tight where is Victor Kanopka? Why, you know, why weren't they, why isn't the tight end more involved in the offense? Great question. I don't know the answer. It was, it was in, you know, part of it in the first year for, for Sean Gleason. I have to, I have to think personnel is an issue, but yeah, I thought, I thought it would be a bigger part than it has been this year. All right. Finally, this is a, this is the question that comes up a lot, but what is now the realistic path to a bowl game? Um, did it change for you?
1: No, I think um, it's the same four opponents. It changed in the sense that Minnesota, I thought, was a winnable game. They yeah. look like an absolute juggernaut. I'm not sure that's as winnable now, but I guess that is replaced by Michigan State, which looks more beatable. You have to win three of the four games against Indiana, Nebraska, Maryland, Michigan State. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody else um, in that in that group of winnable games.
0: Yeah.
1: Am I? Uh, uh... No, Indiana, you, you got them. Yeah, yeah. So you have to. The, the path to the bowl game is beating Nebraska next week, beating Indiana on homecoming, and then winning one more game against Maryland or Michigan State. That, that's really the only path to to the bowl game.
0: Right. Yeah, and that that's not that's not much different than I don't think you would have put the to, the road the road to uh, to Fort Worth on the day after Christmas would be um, through Iowa. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's still possible. I think it does. I think it does turn up the pressure now on that Nebraska game. Um, because you're not going to have, obviously you've got a struggling team coming in here. That's going to think that this is one of their chance, one of their last chances to get a win. You know, uh, if they don't get that one, then you're going to have to start saying, okay, where's the next win of the schedule. That's going to be that, that, that's a tricky one now, important yeah. one now.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and Nebraska will be interesting because it'll be their fifth game of the season. It's going to be a point where a lot of guys, you know, they're playing for an interim coach. Our guy's going to want to just take off the rest of the season and transfer and save a year of eligibility. I yeah. think uh, that's certainly something, something to watch for. So, and if that does happen in, in mass and Rutgers doesn't win that game, that's a very bad sign.
0: Who could imagine that we'd be at point. I mean, Rutgers has to beat Nebraska. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a weird, like, right. Like Nebraska is a must win for Rutgers. That's in itself. is just a wild, it's been a wild season. Yeah. All right. How far uh,
1: Nebraska has fallen too. That's a
0: very far indeed. All right. Let's do our Ohio state prediction. Um, last week, me and you were correct. And uh, Lanny had a kid, so he didn't have to. Essentially, had a, he had a baby, so he didn't have to come on here and explain his pick. That's what that's 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 what he did. Smart, smart planning by Lanny. Drastic, but good. drastic, drastic, but good. So we are leading. We are tied at the lead now for the picks. What is it? Ohio State minus forty-one. I saw. Is that right? This morning, I believe
1: it was. Yeah, yeah.
0: That is that the line we're going to use? I don't want. Let's know. go
1: with that. That's perfect.
0: Okay, minus forty-one. We'll have to get Lanny to mail in his pick. I'm sure he'll have time at three in the morning when he's. Uh, up for feeding. Uh, who do you got? What do you think? Is that, are they going
1: to cover? I think if you watch the Ohio State against Wisconsin, they can score as many points as they possibly want. It's going to be a matter of whether they want to run up the score or not. I think that – I think Ohio State's going to score 56, 59 before taking its foot off the pedal, and I don't think Rutgers can score you know, 17, 21 points to offset that. So I'll go Ohio State, 56, Rutgers – 10 Ohio State covers.
0: Yeah, uh, this is not going to be the one that decides which direction we're going here. I was a little, I mean, I will be honest, just a little hesitant. It's 40, 41's a lot of points. Um, the Rutgers offense, you know, you see that some of the, you know, second half, Greg Shannon is not going to take his foot off the gas. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, 59, nothing. He's going to try to He's going to keep going. And that is one of the encouraging things against Iowa was that team fought to the end. And that's been a hallmark of Greg's team so far, but yeah, I just think it's a bridge too far against uh Against just a really talented Ohio State team, uh, I, yeah, I'm going to go the same direction you are. I think it's probably going to be closer to 52-10, uh, and that's 40. That's 42. So yeah, I'm going to I'm going to lay the points as well. And we'll see what uh, we'll see what Lanny's going to do later. All right, um, other thoughts. What else have we got? What else do we want to talk about? Women's soccer lost. It's funny we get to the point now with that team that oh my god, you know they lost to this like the other good team in the Big Ten. They lost the game first time in a long time. It's good when it's it's good when it's a surprise that you lose. Um, so does that damage? Is that ruin their chances of repeating as Big Ten champs, or can they still have a shot?
1: I wouldn't say so, but it's it's Penn State's the other team that was tied with yeah. them as favorites to win the league. So uh, it's on the road, you know. It's you can't really be too beat up about a loss on the road against a fellow Big Ten favorite. Uh, it ends it ends the pressure, I guess, of going undefeated. That takes a you know in, in a positive spin, takes some some weight off their shoulders, and they bounce back. They won they won on, on Sunday. Right. So they're back to their winning ways. Um, it's funny. Someone, I said in the last podcast that it's, it's certainly possible that they go undefeated in a Big Ten play again, and they lose immediately. And I, I'm now the jinx because I said that about them. I said that about Jude McAdamy. So uh, if you guys want me to jinx anybody, anything else, just shoot me a DM. And uh, <laughs> I want to uh, bring up volleyball. Uh, they had a dramatic win on Sunday. They came back from two sets down against Michigan State, won 3-2, wow. and uh, their first Big Ten win in two years. And look, the juxtaposition between that game and Minnesota was playing Wisconsin, full house, top 10 matchup, rivalry game, absolute packed out barn, electric atmosphere, just absolutely electric. And then you watch the Rutgers come back and have a great win in front of, you know, 60 people. Again, this is not to blame Rutgers. The program is is at the point where it is, it's not, there's no shame in it. But it just, again, reinforces my thought that if this program ever gets off the ground, I mean, the, the rack roof might actually fall off when they have a big time game against Nebraska
0: you have become you have become one of the 60 people your 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 volleyball your own volleyball background is
1: making you uh is really pushing you toward you know that's impressive you're if there was, all the time now yeah. if no i i was not there because i was too busy grinding the tape for the film review i'm a football guy first <laughs> no you weren't there okay I but it, i i watched it on on big 10 network plus oh
0: i see you're watching volleyball on television that's great okay Good, good job by you. All right. Uh, any final thoughts uh, before we sign off? Do you wanna, want me to give you another Andrew Carnegie? Do you know who he is by any chance? Andrew Carnegie?
1: He's a really rich guy. I think he did the train stuff, right? He was oh, yeah. uh, no, close
0: enough, I guess. Rich guy, I'll give you that. All right.
1: Uh, oh, we yeah, have one thing. Uh, Hoops started its, uh, pre-season, its regular season practices today. They're, mm-hmm. they're uh, starting the season in a month and a half. Things are getting underway in earnest. Uh, Big Ten media day coming in a couple weeks. Uh, things are starting to gear up there. Uh, really excited to see. Uh, Cliff Amore in a game and see a lot of people are giving him some buzz, a lot of uh, top five, top ten players in the Big Ten uh, sort of buzz, so uh, really excited to see that, and and uh, the squeaky sneakers are upon us, Steve.
0: Thank goodness. I'm looking forward to it as every as every year. It's a it's the best time of year when both those teams are playing, so that'd be fun. Um, all right, well, let's sign off there. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Devco for sponsoring us, and my sincerest apology to the John Glenn family. We'll, we'll, we'll be back after we make a stop in Columbus, Ohio for, uh, for the, for the Buckeyes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. to participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone. Sign up at NJ.com slash insider.